Buenos noches and welcome back. We are going to wrap up this series, which is called All Things New. Uh, and in this series, we've been talking about taking a fresh start and what it means to look at your life and look at everything that is going on around you and, and deciding, you know what, it's time to make a change here. It's time to make a change here. It's time to try this. It's time to do this. It's time to be better at this. All of these different things. And each week we talked about something that goes along with this. Uh, the first week we talked about from Isaiah, just the fact that God is always with you. And if you want to take a fresh start, when you want to take a fresh start, whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's January 1st or December 31st or some other time during the year. It's just when you feel that pull, that call to do something new, to do something different, to do something better, God is with you and will lift you up on wings like eagles, will give you that ability to fly, that, that knowledge that you can fly as you learn to, to run and to walk and doing all of those things forward. We talked about Rahab, who was a prostitute and who obviously was not very respected by the people in her area. And yet, despite what everybody thought about her, or what everybody said about her, despite what her life was like, she knew what was right and she felt God's call. And that moment, she could have easily said, you know what? I'm never going to be okay. I'm never going to be doing the right thing. I'm never going to be in a position where people will not remind me of my past. Instead, she said, okay, this is what is clearly right. I'm going to do it, and we're going to see what happens. And her life moved forward. Her, her joy grew. Her family grew. They were safe, and she was safe, and she followed God from there. Uh, she was a part of the line of Jesus, which is such an amazing message from God to, to essentially say, hey, your past literally does not matter once you decide to change, once you move towards him. Your past, even though the world will always bring it back to you, you can learn from it and move forward. It won't hold you back in God's eyes. And we talked about David, who kind of had the reverse problem in his past. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a hero. He was somebody who did so much for so many. Uh, he killed Goliath courageously, gave the glory to God. He built a kingdom in Israel as the greatest king ever. Uh, did so much, was looked at by so many as a hero. And then he let his, his ego get too big. He let himself get too sure of himself. He let his britches get too big. And he gave in to lust. He gave in to adultery. He gave in to murder. He did all of those things. And then he compounded it by hiding it, by pretending that it didn't happen until he was confronted. And that's where you see who he really is. Now, the things that he did, they had huge consequences and they hurt people. And it's something that will be remembered in his history by people. But by God, once he looked at Nathan and said, I did it. He didn't say, this was because of this person, this was because of that. I did it. Once he did that, he moved forward and God was like, you're good. You're going to deal with the consequences, but you're with me. You're a man after my own heart. And he kept going forward and he became who he was supposed to be. Last week, we talked about Paul after his conversion, which is an amazing event because before that, he was literally killing people like who he was becoming. And how as soon as he was changed, as soon as he felt God's call, he jumped up and started preaching. And how important it is to take the first step, like David did, of admitting, like, you know, I was wrong, or I need to change this, I need to do this. And taking that first step to realize what needs to be different. But then going from there, and actually doing it. Now, like with a lot of things, uh, it may take time, it may take effort, it may take help, it may take healing, all of those things. When I say just do it, I do not mean, and I said this last week, but I'll say it again, I do not mean that if you don't immediately become a success, if you don't immediately become a pastor like Paul, if you don't immediately do this, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can spend your whole life saying, 
I need to do better. I should do better. I should treat people better. But you have to start trying. And that's where it goes. Now, how much you grow in that is, depends on how much you try and you keep going forward. And so this week, we're going to go from that into being all in. All in in your faith. All in in how you live. All in in what you want to do in life. All in in who you are. And so I'm going to go back to Revelation, although not in the part that's about end times, just in the part where he wrote letters to the church. This is Revelation 3, 14 through 22. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This, this is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. So I wanted to just cut this little part first because basically this is Jesus saying, hey, I want you to send these seven letters to the seven churches of Asia, of this area. Uh, he's not saying only, this only matters to those churches. He's not saying what I write here only matters to the people that read this right now. The amazing thing with Jesus, especially but with the whole Bible, is it applies absolutely to the people that it's to, like the people that he's writing to, speaking to. But it goes so much beyond that. And so a lot of people are like, well, why do you choose these seven churches? And there's a lot of different reasons. We talked about this when I talked about Revelation. But essentially, it comes down to the fact that they uh, exemplify all of the churches then and all of the churches now. Different things that can happen, different ways people can believe, different ways people can live, different ways uh, people can fall, and all of these different things. And so the one with Laodicea, the thing to know about that area is it's a rich area. Uh, a lot of the people that are there have a lot of money, and there's a lot of textile and exporting and commercial stuff and all this stuff that I don't really understand. They were really good at the stock market and all of these different things, uh, and it was a rich church because of that. Now, the downside is that the water supply kind of sucked. I'm talking like Detroit, bad water. And so it was hard to uh, deal with that because people would come in and they'd essentially blackmail them for better water. And so the church and the people in the town would always kind of give in uh, rather than doing something about it, rather than whatever, because they had the money, they had the comfort, they had what they needed. And so because of that, they're one of the people that Jesus directs it to. Now, in some of the letters that he wrote, uh, he was very complimentary and said, hey, you're doing it right. Keep going. In some of them, like the one we're about to read, it's like, hey, you're not doing it right. You're doing it wrong or you need to change. You need to do better. But it was never you're done. It was never you're over. It was never you're finished, just like our life. It's never the end until it's the end. As long as you're alive, there is hope and there is always a chance, a reason, a desire to change. And so we learn from that, just like we're going to learn from this. Going to the next verse. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I hope everything, I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold for me, gold that has been purified by water. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments for me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Uh, first, he made it understandable just like with his parables, just like with his ministry. He made things understandable to who he was talking to. Uh, there are always going to be people, and there always have been people, that will try to speak above to, to lift themselves up. But Jesus was like, no, no, no. You make it understandable. You help people to know where they are. And so they had a water issue. They didn't understand it. So when he says, you're like lukewarm water, they're like, whoa, lukewarm water is useless. Like, it's not, 
hot, it's not cold, it's nothing. And that's what he's saying. Now, one of the things he says, it can be very confusing when you see it at first, because he says, I wish you were either hot or cold. So we're going to take the assumption, the reasonable assumption that hot means living fully for him and cold means turning away from him completely. So why would he say, I wish you were, why wouldn't he just say, I wish you were hot? I wish you were hot. I can't believe that you're lukewarm. Why would he say, I wish you were hot or cold? Because the most dangerous thing for a Christian, the most dangerous thing for anyone who is trying to be anything is to be in the middle, to be lukewarm. Because when people see that, they see that you go to church or they see that you try or they see how you dress, they see who you are publicly, but they also see who you are privately. And so they start to think, well, that's what it is to be a Christian. And so some people will be like, well, what's the point? Like, I can do that. I don't have to get up early on Sundays in order to do that. Or or I can do that. I can act like that. I don't need to go to church for it. Or they'll think, hey, you know, there's nothing to this. I've probably told this story before, but once you talk so much, you eventually tell stories a ton of times. Uh, When I was in college, one of my friends, I was a little out of college, when one of my friends uh, was getting married and he went to a Christian school, a college, and all of his groomsmen were... Uh, training to be music ministers or training to be pastors. They were in that same program as him. And so we were there the night before and we all uh, had a hotel together and I was there with my friend and they all like, hey, we're going to go out. We're going to go to a strip club and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and and we're going to get plastered and everything like this and uh, see where the night takes us and blah, blah, blah. And like once they left, I was like, what? I thought they're training to be pastors. And he's like, "Eh, you know, they, they don't really care about it though. That's just what they're, they're doing for a job. Uh, I'm not going to get into life judgments and what people think, but, but when that is how you view things of, as long as I'm doing this on Sundays, it doesn't matter what I do through the week. That's lukewarm and that's what people are going to see and that's what people are going to notice. And I always remember that because I always think of them like, where did they go? Did they continue going to churches? Like, what did they do? throughout their lives. And me and my friend, we stayed in the hotel. We played video games because I'm super cool. But that is what Jesus is saying. He's like, if you're hot and you're good for Christ and you're living and you're trying and you are all in, then you're good. Like you're doing your best and you're, you're there. You're where I want you to be and how, you're going in the direction I want you to go. And if you're cold, you know, I don't want you to be that. But at least you're not hurting other people. At least you're not tricking other people. At least they're not fooled by your actions. At least they're not fooled by by how you act. At least they see. But more than that, when you're cold, when you're on that end, you still have that chance to see that there can be a better way. You can be like, whoa, whoa, I, I could have done so much better. I need to get better. I need to change. I see this desire to be different. I see this desire to grow. I see this desire to, to, to be new. And that doesn't happen if you're in the middle. In the middle, you're like, I'm doing just enough. Uh, When I was growing up, I was told I was required to get A's. That was it. I was required to get A's by my great-grandparents. And so I got A's. Uh, A lot of people, and you know, nothing wrong with it. It's however you view school. A lot of people do just enough to get by. When you get to college, and I don't encourage this, but it can happen, uh, you can even take a lot of classes pass-fail, which basically means there's no grade. You just do well enough to pass, and you're good. However, when you live like that, when you do like that, like, what are you really learning? Like, what, what is the point? What is happening? And, and so in life, in faith, in how you do things, in how you practice, in how you work, and how you do anything in life, 
if you're in the middle, it always sucks. Always sucks. Because half the time, you're worried, what if those people from church, or what if those people from school, or what if those people from wherever, if they see me and they realize that I'm just kind of pretending? And so you know you can't fully enjoy things. And then on the flip side, you're, you're at church or you're at your job or you're at school and you're like, what if they find out that I'm cheating? What if they find out that I'm doing this? What if they find out if this is what my life is like? What if they find out that I'm just playing the middle? What are they going to think? And so you're always worried about that. You're always thinking about that. And that's why he's saying it's better to be one or the other. Now, I don't want you to take from this message, uh, if you're not fully in right now, and you're just learning, and you're just growing, and you're trying to then be like, oh, well, you know, Jeff said that it's better to be off than on, so I'll just go ahead and quit going to church, and I'll quit praying, and I'll quit school, and I'll quit sports, and I'll quit whatever. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it's so much better to look in the right direction and go in the right direction. And a lot of people are in the cold. They are on that side. And, and, you know, obviously this goes for, towards faith, but it goes towards school. It goes towards sports. It goes towards music. It goes towards work. It goes towards anything else in your life. Even if you're on the cold side, be aware that you can get hot. Be aware that you can grow. Be aware that you can change. Going back to David for a second. David lived his life hot. And I really hate that I keep using hot and cold and all these things, but it works. So just follow me. David lived his life hot until he became lukewarm. And when he was lukewarm, that's when everything screwed up. Now, it's not that he couldn't have sinned if he was cold. It's not that he couldn't have done what he did uh, at any point, but he had started to just be there. He wasn't really trying anymore. He was just going, going through the motions, just putting on the right armor, looking the same, saying the right things to the right people. But then when it came down to it, you know, he was apathetic. He didn't really care. Now, if in that point, he had turned away, and again, I'm not encouraging this at all, he had turned away, people would have seen, whoa, David has turned away from God, like Solomon did, like Jonah did, like other people have. David's turned away from God. And somebody would have said something to him and said, like, dude, what's going on? Are you okay? And, or he would have seen this, but since he stayed in the middle, since he stayed in the middle, everything fell apart. And it hurt people. It hurt Bathsheba, it hurt Uriah, obviously. It hurt so many people that weren't even involved because they saw their hero. And you don't want to put people on a pedestal, but still, they saw their hero. They saw him, and publicly he looked like he was supposed to look. But then they find out privately he didn't. And it shattered their view. And it affected them, it impacted them. Now when he picked it up and said, God, I need to change, and he saw it, and he finally got hot again. People are like, yeah, I don't know if I trust him, but at least he's changing again. At least he's going forward. In your life, most people that you meet are going to be more in the middle. They're going to not want to go too far. They're not going to want to try too hard. They're not going to want to stand out. Uh, I've talked a lot about in school how even though I would get A's anytime there was a public presentation, and this was because I was shy and introverted and scared of people, uh, I would try to, you know, not stand out. I would do just enough. And, you know, God's like, hey, guess what? Someday you're going to have to do this every single day. Uh, but the point is, in your life, there are going to be a lot of people, maybe even most of the people, that are like, dude, don't try so hard. Don't, don't try so hard. Don't get too good. 
And you don't want to get too bad, but don't get too good. Don't, don't be that guy. To be hot means that you are trying to be like Jesus. It means that you are doing your best. It does not mean that you are perfect. It does not mean that you never mess up. It does not mean that, that you've never had a problem. It does not mean that, that you're always on. It means that you are trying your best. It means that you're taking that step. It means that you're trying to change. It means that you're doing your best. You're treating others like they want to be treated. If you know people in your life who have fallen into cold, it's not for judgment. It's for showing them even more what, it, what the point is. But see, this is where we get to the problem again. Because if you have people that are just writing the middle, if you're a person that's just writing the middle, you're not going to be like, oh, wow, I see Jesus now. I want to change. You're going to be like, I'm doing just enough. I'm doing pass fail. I'm doing okay. I treat most people okay, as long as they agree with me. I only post bad stuff sometimes when something politically happens. I only get upset at people when they cut me off. You know, we've all been there. The Laodiceans put all of their faith in appearances. And I've been in places like that. I've been around people like that, where appearance is what matters the most. And if you look like a Christian, that's enough. A lot of people have always looked for a lot of different reasons why the church of today isn't as powerful as the church of New Testament. And there are a lot of reasons. Some of it's society, some of it's this, and some of it's that, and some of it's time. But a lot of it comes down to this passage. A lot of it comes down to being lukewarm. And I'm not saying that that to be hot means you grab a bullhorn and you go out to the corner and you yell at people and tell them they're going to hell, because that's the opposite. I'm saying how you live, how you treat other people, how you speak about other people, how you show love to other people. That's the most important thing you can do is to show love, to show respect, to stand up and be like Jesus. Very rarely does witnessing actually mean preaching. Sometimes. Uh, Right now, in this entire church, Terry is here. Now, there are people online, I would imagine two, three, four million something watching me online. But in this building, it's Terry. And I love Terry. It's good. But he's here because he, I, I assume he likes me somewhat, but he's doing the, the sound and everything and making sure this goes well online. The people that are watching, you know, you know me through church or you know me through my family or you just happen to find this random Facebook thing. But it's very directed. Very few people are scrolling through Facebook right now and being like, oh man, there's a sermon going on. I'm going to check this out. I've never heard of this guy. I've never heard of this church. Uh, Pastor Tim and Julie do a wonderful job on Sunday mornings and every other time, but when they preach, the people that hear them are the people that know they're preaching. That doesn't mean that there's never visitors. It doesn't mean that there's never people that walk in or that find it online, but for the most part, the people that hear us when we preach are the people who want to hear us when we preach. That's how it works. However, the way you treat people in life, the way you live each day in life, That's what people see. It's not the words I say, which you couldn't see anyway. Unless there's closed captioning on. It's the way you treat someone else. 
It's the way you react when someone tells a joke or posts something that they shouldn't post. It's the way you react when something politically that you disagree with happens. I'm not saying that you don't disagree anymore. But it's the way you react. It's the way you treat other people who are different than you. It's the way that you live your life every day. That's what people see. That's what is a witness. That is what it means to be all in. That is what it means to learn, to grow. Last part of the scripture. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit. What this means is we all hear things differently. Uh, I could give a message and, and different people could take different things from it. Uh, same with Tim, Julie, with anybody else that's spoken. Uh, you can go to a movie and you can take different lessons from it. I could talk about books and different people could see different symbolism. And it's always kind of weird as an author, quote unquote, uh, when you hear people come up with the symbolism that you definitely did not intend, but it's like, oh. The point, though, when the Spirit talks to you, that's, that's how you interpret it. That's the Spirit telling you, hey, you need to get this. It's not, did he use the right words? Did he write the right thing? It's not, should I dress like this? Should I look like this? Should I go to this church? Should I speak like this? It's not that. It's when the Spirit talks to you, it says, hey, who are you living for? Why are you living this way? Can you do better? That's when you listen. That's when you, you do differently. You see, because I've been to several different churches. I've worked at three different churches. All of them have had wonderful people, wonderful Christians. And I've learned a lot from each one. And I've seen a lot in the world during this time, during the hundreds of years of my life of people that live Christianity differently, live their faith differently. And some wear suits every day, and they don't care what anybody else wears, but they, they wear suits every day because that's what they feel they should do, and that's fine. Some wear jeans or shorts or whatever to church, but, but you know, they don't care about the people with suits. They don't, they're not doing it to show off. They're just doing it because that's what they feel is right. Some read from this version of the Bible, some read from that version of the Bible, and there's so many different ways to do this. Some prefer traditional, some prefer contemporary, some prefer in the middle. All of these things are arguable, whatever. It's whatever you feel most comfortable, but the important thing, the thing that cannot change, is being like Jesus. It's how you treat other people, it's how you speak about other people, it's how you love other people. I've said this, I'll say this again, my February series is going to be about love, and so you'll hear this a lot, but when Jesus said love everybody, he used the word agape, which is unconditional. That's what it means to be all in. To unconditionally love people. To hope for them, to pray for them, to show them a better way. Not to judge them, not to hate them, not to shame them. To show them a better way. You see, Jesus wrote to this church, and if it were one of us, I think that a lot of us would have written and been like, dude, you guys are screwing everything up. You are the worst church ever. Like, you're really making people fall away, and you care more about money than this, and you, you just, you're awful. I'm done with you. But Jesus wrote to them, and he pointed out what they did. He's like, hey, you guys are lukewarm. He didn't stop loving them. He said, this is what you need to do, and it's on you to choose this. 
And then he moved on to the next thing. Not because he didn't care about them, not because he didn't see the need to change. Because that's who he is and they have to look to him. We have to look to him. It is very easy in this world to get by in the middle. It's also very easy to misunderstand what it means to be hot or cold. And I'm by no means the only authority. Jesus is the main authority. But if you live your life doing your best to be like him, you follow his words, you follow his example, you treat others as he would treat them, you're going on the right path. Now, how does this tie in with everything else with a fresh start? Well, very simply put, every single person listening, myself included, we can do better. Some of us do our best already, and we're trying really hard. But we can always do better. We can always do better, and that's what people will see. That's how we will change things. No one person, none of you, will ever be able to change the world. And I'm not saying that to depress you. But you don't have that power. You don't have that control. No single person can. But you can show what that change should look like. And the people around you will notice. They will notice that you've changed. They will notice that you're trying. They will notice that you're doing better. That's why we're here. We're here to live our lives, to, to make money if you make money, to have families, to do all this. That's great. But to glorify God with all of that. To show people a better way. To show people a glimpse of heaven. To show people that we are all in. And that's all I got.